0: and let's look at Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. Today I feel the Lord would have me preach a message entitled, The Proud in Heart. The Proud in Heart. As you're turning to Proverbs 16, I believe that we need to spend more time in our sermons dealing with the sins of the heart. And the reason why I believe that is because all of the things that we would call, uh, we would call blatant violations or overt things, outward things, stem from those sins of the heart. And so, whether it be fault finding, bitterness, unforgiveness, envy and jealousy, ingratitude, or pride. Those are the things that cause the other things. And I think that those things need more sermons. Sins of the heart. It's a very convicting thing to get to the heart of man. And I pray and trust that the message will do just that this morning. Why sins of the heart? Our Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked, who can know it? What that means is, is the biggest liar that you know on the face of the earth is your own heart. Your own heart will lie to you. Tell you to do things you know you ought not to do. Sins of the heart. And this week of Empowered Youth, I'll say a couple things about it. One thing is it's going to go by so fast. You've been thinking about this week for a long time. You've been praying. You've been anticipating it. You've enjoyed getting ready for it. It's been announced in your church. People have taken off work to bring you here. It's going to go by so fast. It's going to be here and it's gone just like that. Get everything that God wants you to get. I think it'd be a good thing to have something that you can write things down with. You want to capture some truths. I think that that's good. And I think that as the, the Lord deals with your heart, I'm glad there's some more guys up there on the front row now. Got some ameners hopefully. Alright? But as God deals with your heart, you want to be specific as you maybe come down to the altar and do business with the Lord. Don't Don't be general in it. Okay? And Today it's it's pride. Pride. You're gonna have to dig some things out of your heart during this empowered youth. That's not easy. It takes time. It's easy to nail the, the outward things. I mentioned that just a few moments ago. It's easy for a preacher to stand up in the pulpit and say, Don't smoke. Don't drink, don't fornicate, don't watch bad movies, don't gossip, don't talk back to your parents. But it's the sins of the heart that cause all of those things. And so if we can deal with this sin of the heart, it'll save you so many, so many troubles. I believe the greatest sin of the heart is pride pride. Look at Proverbs chapter 16, verse number five. The Bible says, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. What hinders us from being all that we can be for the Lord? What stops us from getting stronger? What stops us from conquering those besetting sins? We come to the altar and we say, I'm done with it. Before we know it, we're doing it over and over and over again. What hinders us? Far too often, it's naked pride. God's most stubborn enemy is our pride. The one we see when we look in the mirror. It's been said that the son of King Henry IV would wait for his father to fall asleep. And when his father would fall asleep, he would take the royal crown and try it on his own head. We have a king that does not sleep, he does not slumber. And it's not right for us as his children to try to take away from his glory. Try on his crown. We have all kinds of small little ways of doing that. And the point of the message is is this. The main point of the message is that it's easy to have a problem with pride. And my prayer in, in preparation is, was just that God would bring some of you young people to the point where you would say at the end of this message, and mean it, I have a problem with pride. Pride is a problem in our churches. I'm glad that Pastor Parrish mentioned the idea of, of, of clapping, and I won't belabor the point, but I'll just say this. One of the problems with it in our churches is that the people who are clapped for eventually start to like it. We're all fleshly enough. Pride. Pride is destroying some of you young people. And God sent you to empower youth to hear a message on pride. Pride says me. Me, I, it always points to self. The root of pride is selfishness. Humility, conversely, says others. Others. Focusing on the needs of others. Stop listening to the devil when it comes to your pride. I'm not getting what I deserve. What about me? Nobody treats me right. Look at how they treated John the Baptist. Look at how they treated the early Baptists. Study how they treated the reformers. Look at how they treated Christ. Pride is what causes fault finding. Bitterness, unforgiveness, jealousy, ingratitude. It's a sin, don't miss this, it's a sin that's rooted in the heart. In the heart. Look again at our verse. Number five. Everyone that is proud in heart. Let's pray and we'll get into the message. Father, I thank you for this time that's been set aside for preaching. God, I pray that you would use this message. Lord, you know that in private I've sought your face, your help, your blessing. And Lord, I pray now publicly that you would give me your power to preach and that this message would be a help to teenagers, a help to all present. We'll be careful to thank you for the good things you'll do in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you know that song, I Want That Mountain? Okay, we sing that song, that chorus. Our pride is a mountain of its own. And would to God there would be some young people that would say, I want to climb the mountain of humility and defeat the pride that's in my heart. What if we ask this question this morning? How many of you have a problem with pride? A problem with pride. Now, I think most of us would admit that there's times in our life when we are proud. That wasn't the question. A problem with pride. Something that is holding you back. Something that is stopping you from being what you should be. Proud in heart. Perhaps you're competing this week in the competition. And you have prepared for months. You have maybe practice in front of your youth group or your church and you've gotten that piece down and you think you know it and you say to yourself, I'm ready and you carry an air of haughtiness about the fact that you're ready and when you're done competing tomorrow, you might say I feel pretty good about how I did I did good and you revel What you believe to be a good performance. Wouldn't it be better to go into the competition saying, oh God, I am created for your glory. And I want to take whatever talents you have endowed me with and develop them for your glory, not mine. By the way, I think you'd do better tomorrow if you had that attitude. We are children of Adam. And what drug Adam down? The pride of life. Keep your place here in Proverbs, but turn to Psalm chapter 115. Proud in heart. Psalm 115, verse number 1. The Bible says, not unto us, O Lord. And then for emphasis, look how it's repeated. Look at the Bible. Not unto us, O Lord. And then again, because it needs to be stated again. Not unto us, but unto thy name. Thy name. Give glory for thy mercy, for thy truth's sake. Going back to Proverbs chapter 16, what do we know about Solomon, the writer of Proverbs, the wisest man who ever lived, yet in many ways he was stupid. We're talking about a man with 700 wives. Pastor Parrish, that's too many. That's too many. And he got to the point Where those gods, false gods of those wives turned his heart away from the Lord. He didn't need God like he needed God at the beginning. When God came to him and said, what do you want me to do for you, Solomon? Ask. Solomon's heart was tender. Perhaps your heart was once tender. And Solomon said, I don't know how to come out. I don't know how to go in. And I've been given the responsibility to lead your heritage. God, give me wisdom. But pride hurt him greatly toward the end of his life. And pride is hurting some of you. It's driving you far away from God as it did Solomon. And empowered youth, we're saying... Come back. There is some indication Solomon came back. and We're saying come back. Look at Psalm 138. Psalm 138. Pride puts a huge chasm, a huge gulf between you and God. Psalm 138. Verse number six, though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. He knows you. He knows what you're doing. He knows everything about you, but he knows you afar off. And, and I don't want that. He mentioned the devotions. When I had my devotions this morning, it, it ought to be that I want that closeness with God. I don't want to be known of him afar off. Satan fell because of pride. We fall because of pride. It's after us. Pride robs you of the life that God wants you to have. Pride can rob you of the spouse God wants you to marry. The ministry he wants you to be a part of. You've got to look ahead and see what the road of pride will do to you and where it will take you. Wherever pride is, we need to look for it and root it out. But first, we need to understand what pride is. Because whatever it is, we better understand it because God says in his word that a proud heart is an abomination to the Lord. And so first, I want to identify what pride is from the Bible using this text. Secondly, we need to understand the word abomination. And then lastly, we need to apply this last part of the verse. Though hand join in hand. What does that mean? Look again at Proverbs 16, verse number 5. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished what is pride let's start right there what is pride if if i called on you this morning brought you up here and and said define pride what would you say think about it right now good and hard what would we like in pride unto it is a word that is never ever in the bible used in a good way the homosexuals have taken that word pride and they've hijacked that word. And I say let them have it. They think it's a good thing. Let them have it. They deserve it. Because it's always evil in the Bible. Pride is a inordinate self-esteem. It is conceit in supposed superiority. I'm better than her. I look better than her, I dress better than her, I'm better than her. Wealth can cause pride. Poverty can cause pride. Accomplishment, I talked about the competition, that can cause pride. If you do terrible, it's the judge's fault, pride. Pride manifests itself in distance and reserve, rude treatment of others. Hey, let's be friendly toward each other this week. What's wrong with a smile and a sincere handshake? What's wrong with, with greeting each other in brotherly love? Now, we don't need the holy kiss. This just isn't the day and age to be kissing on everybody. But we ought to be kind and not have lofty airs. Turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Simply put, pride is thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to. Pride. When I think of the sin of pride, it reminds me of the army colonel. The old army colonel. Sitting in his office. This was a day and age where the telephones, now you won't understand this, but there was a day and time when telephones had cords. You say, what's a cord? (laughs) There was a day when telephones had cords. There were no cordless phones at one time. There were no cell phones. And the colonel was sitting in his office. And he heard a knock at the door. Colonel, this is Private Johnson. Can I see you for just a moment? The colonel wanted to look impressive. He wanted to look important. So he picked up the telephone and said in a real loud voice so that the private could hear him. Yes, Mr. President. I understand, Mr. President. Right away, Mr. President. I'll take care of that. Now, he wasn't talking to the president. He just wanted to make himself look important. In other words, he wanted to appear bigger than he really was. Then the colonel said, Mr. President, give me a second. Hold on for a moment. Come on in, private. The private came in. The colonel said, private, whatever it is, make it real quick. I'm on the phone with the president. The private said, sir, I just came here to connect your telephone. God has a way of making you look like a fool. And one of the reasons these meetings were established is to try to help some of you young people connect the phone. Put you in tune with God. Look with me again, Romans chapter 12, verse number 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now underline that, mark that. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, that verse teaches many things, but one of the things it teaches is that you do have a choice in the matter. You can't get away with just saying, well, that's just the way I am. No, no, the Bible's saying here, don't think like that. And if you do think like that, change the way you think. Think soberly. We're commanded to keep our head out of the clouds and walk in humility. Every one of us. A lady went to her pastor and said, Pastor, I'm in terrible need of counseling. I'm struggling with this sin. I can't shake this sin. This sin is messing with me and I can't get rid of it. The pastor listened with concern for this dilemma that this dear lady in his congregation was struggling with And the pastor said, what seems to be the problem? Well, preacher, I come to church every Sunday, and I just can't help thinking I'm the prettiest woman in the church. (laughs) I look at all the other ladies, and I say to myself, they don't hold a candle to me. Preacher, what do I need to do about this sin? He said, you don't need counseling, you need a mirror. And I say to that, when you come to the mirror of God's word in the morning, you're not going to look so pretty. Because it won't be, look at me. It'll be, woe is me. For I am undone. Proud in heart. Pharaoh was proud in heart. He said, Who is the Lord? Who is? I chuckle when I read that. That's comical to me, that somebody would say that. Who is the Lord? He found out who the Lord is. And so will you. God can humble us if we start thinking we're hot stuff. Now now, now think about your life. This terrible shooting in Texas, the little baby that was killed all the way up to the 72-year-old that was killed. Life is short. And in a few short years, we're all going to be worms meat. We're not hot stuff. We need to come down from that mountain of pride. You don't need to turn there, but listen to Psalm 73, verse 6. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Pride like a chain, wrapped in the chain of pride. Come empowered youth. You hear God's word and our desire is that you could break free from that chain because his word's like a hammer that can break the rock in pieces. He can deliver you from pride. Amen. Turning your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Where does pride start? Where does it begin? Where does it have its infancy? In your heart. In your heart. In my heart. Mark chapter 7 verse number 14. And when he had called all the people unto him. He said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he said unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draught, purging all meats. And he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, (laughs) within. Out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, and then there it is, pride, foolishness. Verse 23, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. There comes a point in the life of a believer just like with a child that has to have its will broken. There comes a point in the life of a believer I'm convinced of it where God's got to break your pride. And he'll use different circumstances to do that. He's given us his word. Let him break your pride. King Nebuchadnezzar had it all as king of babylon he had the palace he had the servants the soothsayers the astrologers he had a dream and if he had a dream he he demanded not only that they tell him what it meant but tell him the dream powerful man he called for daniel and daniel said god's gonna bring you down And you're going to slither around in the field of grass for seven years. Your body's going to be wet with dew. And when it was all over, his pride was broken. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are true and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. You need to know what pride is. Secondly, pride is an abomination. Go back to Proverbs 16. Pride is an abomination. An abomination. Proverbs 16, verse 5. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. That's a heavy word. That's a word whose meaning you want to know. You want to write that in the margin of your Bible if you're unclear about the meaning of that word. You need to highlight that word, underline it. It's a deep, deep word. It has a deep, deep meaning. It tells us the heart of God about our sin. The word abomination means something hated. Something detested. Something disgusting. Something that if God were a human being, It would make him sick to his stomach. Homosexuality is an abomination. Abortion is an abomination. I believe God can forgive all sin if a person turns to Christ. But that doesn't change the fact that certain sins are called abomination. And I say to myself, how do I describe the word abomination to a teenager? How do we do that? In the city of Chicago, we don't just have rats. We have super rats. Okay? Uh, We have a man in our church that works downtown in one of the older buildings. And he told me he's seen rats the size of squirrels. I mean tails this long, bodies this long. That's a rat. Take that rat to your house. Pass your mom on the way. Put it in your microwave. Close the door. Put it on high until you hear a loud pop. Then open the microwave. Now I'm not telling you to go home and do this, all right? (laughs) Pastor Lewis told us to do this. (laughs) What are you learning at that place? But open that microwave up and look inside. That's an abomination. That's what our pride looks like to God. Look at Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. Proverbs chapter 6. These are the things that God hates. The things that God hates. So I thought God doesn't hate. Look here. Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. Hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. What's the first one? A proud look. Top of the list. People today are proud in their wickedness. They call the Gay Parade in Chicago the Gay Pride Parade. If there's a word that's connected to that sin, it must be bad. If pride is connected to that sin. Spiritual pride, not just a gay pride parade on the streets of Chicago, but some of you are having a spiritual pride parade. When your youth pastor corrects you. When your teachers correct you. When your parents correct you. You're having a spiritual pride parade. And I want to say God loves you, but he hates your pride. Others may respect you. You may have family that respect you and love you. Friends that respect you and love you. But to God, your pride stinks. Listen to the Pharisee. I thank thee that I am not as other men. In other words, I'm prideful and I'm proud of it. And your pastor can't even correct you. Here's a man called of God. You wouldn't want to be in his church if he wasn't called of God. Called of God he prepared for the ministry took the time to go away somewhere and and, and the expense to, to, to prepare to serve God and to serve you and then he takes hours upon hours to prepare messages for you and he's down on his knees begging God for power To preach to you. And he comes to you and he says, You've got a problem here. And you stiff arm your preacher. You're prideful and proud of it. There's a great boxer. Some of you probably won't even know this name, others you will. Muhammad Ali. True story. He got on an airplane. One day, he was sitting in first class, and a flight attendant came to him and said, buckle your seatbelt, sir. We're getting ready to take off. The flight attendant came back. Muhammad Ali, the great boxer, had not buckled his seatbelt. She said, I'm sorry, Mr. Ali, but you're going to have to buckle your seatbelt. She came back again before the plane was ready to taxi down the runway. Ali had not buckled his seatbelt. Mr. Ali, we're not going to move until you buckle your seatbelt. This was his reply. I don't need to buckle my seatbelt. She said, what do you mean? Everybody on this plane has to buckle their seatbelt. He said, well, Superman don't need no seatbelt. The flight attendant was mad now. And she looked at him and said, Superman don't need no airplane either. <laughs> we need to know our limitations. We need to know our limitations. You know, as a preacher of the gospel, especially we're reminded of this this past Sunday with the church shooting in Texas. I stand in the pulpit to preach God's word. We're making ourselves vulnerable. To help people. And we know not what may befall us in our future. I'm sure those people in that church had no idea when they got up to go to church that morning what was about to take place. And I would not stand here for a moment to try to question the motives of those people. All I'm trying to say is we better know that we're dust. What is man? That God would be mindful of us. On our best day, we're about $3 worth of dirt. Look at Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. There is a danger of self sufficiency. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Can God bring you to the place in your devotions where you can say, I hate pride. Even mine. That's when he's ready to use you. The proud and hardened is an abomination to the Lord. And then third and last, there is punishment for the proud in heart. There is punishment for the proud in heart. Look at, go back to Proverbs 16, our text. Proverbs 16, verse number five. It says, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Now I understand God saying in the passage here that he's not going to let us get by with our pride. I understand that. But what does the part of the text mean when it says, though hand join in hand? That, that, that kind of confused me. I didn't really understand that. I looked at it closer. And I believe the Bible here is speaking of Alliances. The Bible here is speaking of confederacies that you might make with others so that you can bind forces. And and though you may be weak by yourself, but because you're holding hand with this person, you think you're strong. We might call them friendships. You see, the temptation is to think that because you have someone else besides God, you can make it. With pride. But God says here, it doesn't matter who your friend is. It doesn't matter who you're holding hands with. It doesn't matter who's your friend on Facebook. It doesn't matter who your confederacy is with. If it's pride, though joining hands with that person, you will not be unpunished. People say, I've got my friends, I'll be okay in my rebellion. No, you won't. Because the God of heaven says, even though you're holding hands with that person or those people, you're going to be punished. What I'm trying to say is it doesn't matter who you're aligning yourself up with. God has the final say about the punishment. Pride robs him of his glory and he is jealous of his glory. I want to look at one more passage, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. The Apostle Paul makes a statement here. And I would not believe this statement except I know this to be the word of God. In other words, if it was just Paul saying it and he wasn't saying it under inspiration, I would not believe it. Because I understand the heart of man. But I do believe it because it's in the word of God. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse number 19. The Apostle Paul says, serving the Lord with all humility of mind. I can't wrap my my mind around that. All humility of mind. If that wasn't the Bible, I would say, Paul, I don't believe you. The Apostle Paul, I want you to see him. I want you to see him sewing those tents, stitch by stitch, hands callous from the work, late at night, 12 o'clock, one o'clock in the morning, sewing tents to supply for the lack of love. And gifts from churches. He mentions that. And then see him get into the pulpit. And preach his heart out to those people in tears. And Holy Writ says that he could say I've been serving you God with all humility of mine. Friend. Deal with your pride. Let's bow for prayer.